Well, good morning. We're excited that you're here joining us at Crossway. Excited for your jumping online. Happy to have you. We've had quite an exciting week here at Crossway. We kicked things off last week. If some of you remember, maybe some of you are here to experience our Camp Kids Way kickoff in our second service. And then uh, we ran Camp Kids Way through Wednesday. So that was a lot of fun. We had over 60 uh, kids participate in that. Uh, almost 70. And then we also had a little over 50 adults and students volunteering to help put that on. So it was a great time for uh, families to send their kids here to learn about God uh, and kind of kick their summer off that way. And then just yesterday, we sent off a group of 12 people from Crossway, uh, mostly young adults, out to El Salvador, where they're going to be for this week, working on uh, putting a school together. Melissa talked about that a little bit. So we've had some kind of fun and exciting things that have kicked off uh, this summer here at Crossway. And uh, we're going to continue in our series uh, out of Psalms. We're going to be in chapter 128 today. And I got to be honest, when I was given this chapter and I cracked it open, I started looking at it a couple weeks ago and read through it, it became real obvious to me, I don't love this passage. I know what you're thinking. You're like, how could you? Right? But I read it and I go, I don't, you know, it just doesn't speak to me in a powerful way. It's not something that I'm like, man, I, I love this. I feel like this applies to my life. I feel like this can apply to so many people's lives. It's something that I read it and I was like, yeah, I'm not, not a huge fan. And then, you know, as several days went on and I continued to read it, I kind of still felt the same way. <laughs> you know, it wasn't really aging all that well, if I'm being honest. I was kind of like, I, I still am not in love with this text. And the reason for that, and I've shared this before a little bit in more detail, is that my wife and I, we experienced uh, nearly a decade of infertility. We went through three different rounds of in vitro fertilization, IVF, and it was a pretty difficult time, a rough thing to go through. And so what this passage talks about, focusing in on family and blessings, it's something that stings to me personally when I read this. But we're that doesn't mean there isn't a lot of powerful things that can be drawn from that. When we find ourselves in Scripture, when we find ourselves in a passage, we go, this just doesn't speak to me in a powerful way. I'm having a hard time applying this to my life. That doesn't mean that there isn't some incredibly powerful messages that we can pull from it. And so that's what we are going to do here today. That's what I'm personally going to do here today for myself, is dive into this and say, what is there still here to say that can be powerful and meaningful to us today? So let's jump in and read it. Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. See, when I read that, I'm like, ah, that's tough. You've gone through infertility or haven't been able to have a kid. Like, that's kind of difficult to go through. But then I think, 
when I look at it even further now that I have kids, I'm still like, that's kind of a perfect family that's getting drawn up here, <laughs> you know? Like everything's going right. There's all these blessings. And I love my family. It's a great family. But there are days where I'm like, kids, whew, we need an extra nap. You know what I mean? I'm like, can you give kids Benadryl and not get in trouble? Like, you, you know, like you can't, by the way, I Googled it. No, I didn't. I didn't actually Google that. Um, but, but you're like, I, I need a bit, I need a bit of a break. Like this is, this is kind of heavy that, that we're going through. And then I think for some of us that we look and we go, you know what, I don't, I don't necessarily have that, that family. I'm not necessarily a parent right now, but we look at our upbringing and we go, you know, I, it was kind of difficult for me to be that blessing. Because you know what, my parents, they really weren't the greatest. They led in some questionable ways. And so that's difficult for me to connect with this. And for some in the room, we go, you know, that thing, that's down the road for me. I'm not necessarily right there ready to have a family and take that step in my life. And we go, so that's a bit down the road. But I still think that there's plenty that we can apply to our lives from this text, even though it kind of paints this picture of a perfect family and everything going right. But we know that that's not true. We know that that's not the case, that that's not the typical family that we see. Even if we jump over to England and we see the royal family, we go, they've got to have it together. It's a royal family. They've got to have everything together. But uh, every once in a while, Prince Louis, one of their uh, younger kids over there, yeah, he ends up getting, you know, on social media quite a bit. Now, he finds himself and he goes some probably boring things a couple hours long. And, you know, his mom's just like, I'm just trying to keep control of the situation. Like, that's a typical family. But then we have moments like this where we're like, oh, isn't that cute? No. Like, he's whispering in, in her ear, I need a fourth fruit snack. <laughs> or I'll burn this place to the ground. Like, you can see that in her eyes, can't you? Right? And, and that's kind of, you're like, that's the typical family. When I think of family, that's what we see. Not when we look at this psalm where it talks about in verses 1, 2, 4, and 5 about all of these blessings and fruit of your labor in verses 2 and 3 and prosperity in verses 2 and 5 and peace in verse 6. Like, yes, we have aspects of those things, don't we? Or like, that's not all that it is. It's, it's a lot more than that. And as much as we would love to describe our family in that way, we realize and we know that that's not really how it unfolds. And even when we go to other scripture and we just look at other stories that we've heard from the Bible, we go, it's mostly filled with dysfunctional families. It doesn't really necessarily support this text. We look at Abraham and Sarah who struggled to have a kid. But we look at Cain and Abel, the Adam and Eve's kids, immediately Cain is killing Abel. We're like, that's, that's dysfunctional. That's not working right. And we really don't even have to get out of Genesis. You could read through Genesis and you're like, that's, there's a lot of dysfunction in there when it comes to families. And so this, this picture that we're getting is something that we go, boy, I, I feel kind of distant from what I read in Psalm 128. But the psalmist here is advocating for 
family blessings. The psalmist isn't saying, hey, if we do all this checklist, if we do these things that are right and we pray and we read our Bible and we go to church, that we'll have this perfect picture of a family. But rather what the psalmist is saying is we must believe in the blessing of fearing the Lord. And through that, that there can be blessings. So before we continue, I want to talk about another hurdle in this passage, right? We talked about how kind of the picture of the family that it has isn't really what we would say is realistic and that we see often. But also, uh, we want to tackle this hurdle real quick of this idea of that it's a very male-driven society when this was written. And so we see that the blessing will be for the man when he lives this way and that the wife is to be home having kids. The kids will be these offshoots that will help support the family. And that there can be a disconnect from that as well because our societal standards are simply just different from then when it was written. And all of that changed because Jesus showed up on the scene and immediately was elevating women and children and saying they have purpose, they have value, and everything changed. And so we can find ourselves struggling, or at least I can anyways, to read this passage and say, there is a lot to pull from it. But I believe that even when we have moments of struggle in different texts that we read, that God can still move and give us things that we can learn from. So we're going to jump back and we're going to read verses 1 through 4 again. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. So we want to talk about this idea of fear for a second. We need to make a distinction as to what that word actually means. And this guy, J. Stephen Uly, author of Longing for Home, who writes about the psalm, uh, these psalms, says this, Ungodly fear compels us to run from God, whereas godly fear compels us to run to God. So when we think of this fear that we just read about in verse 1, we need to realize that this is a godly fear, that this fear flows from God's love and the love that we should have for him. When I try to think of an example of this, I think of my two-and-a-half-year-old Monroe. And there are times, believe it or not, he does not listen well. There are moments where I want him to do something and he won't do it. There's moments where he's just being really loud and reckless and he knows he shouldn't be doing that. And in those moments, he gets in trouble. He finds himself without a snack. He finds himself going into bed early. And he finds himself getting a stern talking to. And probably in those moments, he experiences a little bit of fear because I'm frustrated. But he doesn't run. He doesn't take off and hightail it in another direction. He does the complete opposite. He runs towards me. Tears crying. I'm the one who's upset with him. And he comes to me. And that is the fear that we are talking about. Ungodly fear comes, uh, compels us to run from God, whereas godly fear compels us to run to God. 
a godly fearing person, a godly fearing family will walk in God's ways, meaning they will follow his teachings, teachings and strive to practice his ways. Now, with that being said, just because we do that, we strive to live that way, doesn't always necessarily mean that life will be perfect, does it? No, it means that, that while we may be able to do that, that there may be true blessings from that, there may be true fruitfulness from that, but it does not mean that life will be perfect. So let's jump in and look at verse 2 now. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. God intended labor to be good. God intended work to be good, our family life to be good. But because of the fall that we read about in Genesis 2, chapter 2 through 3, sin entered the world and it completely changed everything. Our work life, our family life, our friends, that at moments it becomes heavy, it becomes burdensome. And if you think about it too much, the fall that happened, you can become very frustrated with Adam and Eve. At least I do, right? Because before the fall, they gardened and they named animals. That was their job. That's what they did. And now I'm like, gas is over five bucks. Maybe you went to a picnic over the weekend. You're like, I spent five times as much food on money and I have half of it, right? We're like, now it's become burdensome. It's become heavy. And for many of us, these things have become draining. Work life has become draining. Sometimes family life is draining. It's a means to an end, an unsatisfying pursuit. But when we focus and we have the correct fear of God, that through Christ we can find satisfaction in our struggles. We can find a measure of satisfaction in our family, in our labor, in our friends. Check out what Ephesians 6, 7 says. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. That our focus be on him. And when we do that, when we shift how we view the world and we shift who we're doing it for, our labor becomes a sacred calling, something we look forward to doing. Our time with our family will be something that can rejuvenate us. We will be fruitful in our labor. We'll be fruitful in our home, be fruitful in our tasks. When we have that right view and we change our focus to be on God. Verse 3, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Again, unfortunately, due to the fall, this all changed. Sin entered the world and things that once were perfect are no longer perfect. And so when we look at families, we realize that no family is perfect. In fact, that every family is dysfunctional to some degree because every family is riddled with sinful people. Every family has long days, long nights, harsh words, selfish attitudes, crazy personalities, other people (laughs) that you have to deal with. I remember my dad telling me this story one time when he was talking about growing up. He was talking about growing up, and he said that when he would go to church. They went to church every Sunday. They would go to mass and, and they would go. And he said it got to a point where him and his three brothers, they would always make like such a ruckus 
in the church service and everything back then, that he said before they would even leave the church, I know this isn't standard today, but my grandfather would spank them before they left. They're like, it's preemptive. I know you're going to do something. At that point, I'm like, I'm selling out. I'm definitely doing something. I already paid for the crime, you know, live it up. Um, So he didn't try that on me though. So, but having interaction with other people, it just can make life difficult. And it can make family life difficult as well. But for those who fear God, we are able to seek refuge in the craziness of life. We're able to seek refuge in the craziness of family. Now, that doesn't mean it will be perfect, but it does mean that there can be transformation, that there can be incredible life change that can happen, that when we properly fear God, that that can change hardened hearts. It can heal wounds that have been there for years. It can break down stubbornness that through that fear, God can move in us in a powerful, powerful way. Families who go through this transformation are families that show signs of that fruitfulness. Let's look at verse four. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. When we fear God, when we walk in his ways, and make ourselves subject to his will, the way that we function changes. The way that we view the world can change. The way that we feel our values, our desires, our dreams, our plans, they all can change when we fear the Lord. And remember, this fear is a healthy fear, a good fear, a fear that we run towards God, that we seek refuge with him. And all that changes when we fear the Lord. J. Stephen Uly also said this later on in his book. He says, the result of harmonizing our lives with God, with God's will, is wisdom. That when we strive to harmonize our lives with him, we can gain wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That when we strive to obey him, obey God, fall subject to his will, and we begin to harmonize with him, the result can be blessedness. That we can have that in our lives. Again, that doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that life isn't going to have its hardships. In fact, I think many of us in this room would say, some of our hardest moments have resulted in some of our biggest blessings. And we didn't even know it. We didn't even realize it as it was happening. But when we have that proper fear of God in our good times and our hard times, he can speak and move to us in a very, very powerful, powerful way. And in Psalm 128, verses five through six, it says this, May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Now, this is a really important part of the text. 
Things kind of change a little bit as the psalmist closes here in verse 5 and 6. Because the psalmist is making it ever so clear that God is the center and the source of our blessedness. And that it is God alone. But if you're anything like me, you have moments, you have times, you have seasons where you're like, I am in control. I am the one who will make the blessing happen in my life. I am the one who will orchestrate what is happening in my life. And when we do that, we miss the mark. And when we do that, we realize now that we have strayed away from what the source is and that source being God. And we think it can be a checklist of do's and don'ts that will get us there when our source is truly to be focused on God. The other amazing thing about this passage and the way that it closes is it talks about this Zion. And when we look at this this place where it says, may the Lord bless you from Zion, this place, this location, it's talking about where God dwelled in Jerusalem. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you read about King David. And that this was a place where he would go to have quiet time, to seek refuge, to be with God. A place where when all hope was lost, David would go to for solace, to connect with Christ. It was a fortress that was positioned atop a hill, a beautiful image of strength and power. Where if you're going to make a last stand as a kingdom, that this is where you would go. It was a stronghold. It was a place where Solomon built the temple. It's a picture of power and control and strength, something that will last. And today that location, honestly, is one of the most volatile locations in the world when it comes to religion. This place where David would go. Today the first floor uh, in Jewish tradition is the resting place of King David. The second floor is where they believe that Jesus and his disciples had the Last Supper. And so there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of power in in moving things when it comes uh, to the Christian world and Jewish tradition there. But during an Ottoman Empire overthrow rule, it it was converted into a mosque. And so two different religions claiming the same location (laughs) to say that it has tradition and history and is theirs, that can't lead to problems, can it? Right? It's become this place where there's a ton of turmoil now. And when this chapter closes, it's a place of power and strength. It's amazing how things can change. What once was is no longer. So what does that mean for us? What does that look like for us when we look at this psalm and say, how can I read through this and pray this for ourselves? I think one thing that we need to remember is that these psalms of ascent are prayers. These are hopes. This is what people are looking for. This is a mark that we can be striving for. So when we read this passage, we go, boy, that family life seems unrealistic. That this is a prayer, that this is a hope. And that as you read through this psalm this week, I would hope that you would focus on this idea of what does it look like for me to have a proper fear of God? How can having that proper fear of God 
change what I am doing in my life? How can that change what it does to my work life? How can that change what it does to my friendships? How can that change what it does to my family life? What can that dynamic look like if I have this proper fear of God? And not a fear that causes us to run from, but a fear that causes us to run to. And so during this week, as you read through the Psalms, I I hope that you will, that you will strive to find something that speaks to you. And that even in other scriptures, when we read them, we go, boy, this is difficult. I don't know if I have anything. That we take the time to dig deep and say, God, what is it that you are teaching me here today? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for our time to be here today, Lord, and this opportunity to hear your word. God, we just ask that you would move in a powerful way in our lives today, Lord, that you would allow us to seek you. God, and that when we think of our our friendships and our family life, Lord, that, that we would be devoted to following you, Lord, and practicing your ways. And God, that we would use this psalm as as something to shoot for, to strive for, Lord, and that you would allow us to have a proper fear of you in our life, Lord. A fear that has us running towards you to see you with open arms and love, Lord. God, I ask that you would move in us today in a powerful and mighty way. Amen.